0: gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Matt Chat, brought to you by FantasyGrade.com and the Ultimate Fantasy Wrestling Challenge. Do you know more about wrestling than your friends and people from around the country? Prove it. Go to FantasyGrade.com, enter the live event, online event, or both. Become America's first Fantasy Wrestling National Champion and support USA Wrestling today. Folks, that event is on Wednesday, the live event, and the tournament starts on Thursday. Today on Matt Chat, I am joined by the commander of the keyboard... The general of journalism, the icon of interviewing, the sultan of storytelling, and my partner in podcasting, the mentor of Man Chat, my guy Andy Hamilton. How you doing today, Andy?
1: I tell you what, I've never had a uh, more grand introduction than that, David. You you uh, took my stick and <laughs> took it to a, about ten levels
0: higher. I'm doing well. I'm doing only, great. you get one a week and I get one a year, so I had to kind of load it up a little bit. So. <laughs> Anyway, so we're going to talk brackets today, and um, I think we'll go through weight by weight. But the first thing I'd like to talk to you about is, and we saw this with the redraw 157 with Brian Murphy being hurt, and that's obviously terrible for him and for Michigan, but th- this is something that's kind of stuck in, in my craw for a long time. What what are your thoughts on why they only, they used to seed the 12, now they seed to the 16, Is there a reason why we shouldn't seed all the way out to 33 and just have the pigtail match be 32 versus 33 and the winner gets one?
1: I'm I'm totally with you. I I don't see why not. I mean, especially now with all the data that we're using to to formulate seeds, I I think it's possible. Uh, And and you look at it like this, too. I mean, uh, Victor Lopez of Bucknell was the guy that moved from outside the seedings to the number 16 seed. Um, so essentially he's the number seventeen guy in right. the bracket when when the bracket was formed. He was supposed to wrestle Joe Smith, who's the five seed. So so that's one of the tougher first round draws. You know, for a five for both seed of to them. draw the seventeen. Yeah. Yep, yep, for sure. And and so I I think the you know, the obviously the fairest way to do it is to give Jason Nolf at one fifty seven, for example, the the winner of the thirty two thirty three match and uh proceed from there. I, I I don't know. That's the way I'd like to see it done. Um and, and you mentioned the way it used to be. And I, I think uh it used to be that we went to twelve I wanna Correct. say in the seedings and so yep. um you know, not not often, but every now and then you'd see the number one guy draw the the thirteen um thirteenth best guy right out of the gate. And you know, if if we're we're going with so much data in factoring this anyway and it's it's a mathematical equation where you, where you're talking about uh, 25% and I know I know that there there's some human elements uh to the seedings as well but uh um if you're going with 25% for example head to head and 10% by conference finish and and then factor in RPI and all that stuff I I don't see why you can't take it just out to 33 and and um you know make the bracket as
0: equitable as possible I agree completely. I think, you know, we talked about this like at the Pac-12s where they do blind draws for five and six. And, you know, in my opinion, four should wrestle five, three should wrestle six. They just don't count those matches for team scores. Really, the pigtail matches here are probably not going to decide the national title if you actually drew it the way we're discussing, 32 versus 33, because the teams that are in contention for the national title have very few guys that would be ranked 32 or 33. and you know, I think what people realize is there's so much data out there, and if they're compiling all this to figure out that Jaden Cox is number one, and Isaiah Martinez is number one, and Joey Dance is number two, at some point they're going to figure out that Andy Hamilton's 32 and I'm 33. It, the math is there for all of us, so to just draw an arbitrary line in the sand and say, okay, we're just now we're just going to just pull names out of a hat seems completely ridiculous to me. And I'm really hoping that's something that the NTA considers because guys wrestle all year. And even if you just went off the coach's poll and, you know, maybe made some adjustments to that based on the data, it's way more equitable, way more fair like you're suggesting. So I really hope if the powers that be are listening that they'll take a look at that because, you know, wrestling is about, you know, you get what you earn. And if you earn the 17th spot, you should get it. You shouldn't draw into the number five guy. So anyway, that's my, uh, public service
1: yeah. announcement. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I the to back up one point, uh, you know, here too. And, in, in that, uh, um, I would say that the committee has made uh tremendous strides here in terms of, of the seating. I, I don't see as many things that like you can poke holes in now is, is maybe, um, two, three, four, five years ago in terms of seating. It looks like they're more consistent across the board and, and the places where maybe somebody's got a gripe, um, I, boy, I think they're few and far between this year compared to, to past year. So, um, you know, taking it from twelve seeds to sixteen, I think was a positive step. And I, I suspect somewhere down the road—I don't—I don't have any firsthand knowledge of this, but just based on um, the the trends that we've seen, I think at some point we will get to the the point where they they seed at one through thirty-three.
0: Well, I actually nerded out and took the rankings of track wrestling, amateur wrestling news, Intermat, open mat, win, did the average, ranked those guys, and compared it to the seeds. So I think as we go through, we'll be able to talk about where some of these inequities are. And there's some that are really, really uh, disparate. But,
1: you know, we'll hit those
0: as we go. So. Uh, what I like to do is just kind of pick your brain, maybe about each quarter bracket, and then kind of see who you have in your final four finals and champion. So, you know, let's start at 25. You know, I'll lay it out for people that are just listening. The one seed is Gilman, 16 seed is Kraser, 8 seed is Josh Rodriguez, 9 seed is Pichonini. And those guys, respectively, have Fleetwood, Grimacchi, uh Jimenez, and Elijah Oliver. Uh, just to kind of set this up for people, the Rodriguez-Piccinini match would be a rematch of the Big 12 final. So, Andy, you see anybody besides Gilman coming out of this quarter?
1: Well, I think it's uh, you know going to be hard. You know, whoever is running into him is going to face a challenge on that top side. Um, just the, the guy is on a roll this year. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly had they had a the couple close calls there with. Uh, um Josh Terrell at Midlands uh Ethan Lezak in the dual meet uh Seriano, um all three of those guys on the bottom side but um you know if if you're going to be in a match against Gilman you got to be able to stand toe to toe and and uh take blows from him for for seven minutes we've seen some guys that have hung in there for a little while we haven't seen anybody that's been able to do it for for seven straight though and and uh um, guys wrestling really well, and, and uh, particularly if he can get on the bottom, uh, off the bottom, and not get matches slow, get matches slowed down. If he if he can avoid getting slowed down on on the bottom, he's going to be pretty doggone hard to beat.
0: For sure, and that pitch in any J Rod round of sixteen match is huge for the team race. I mean, Oklahoma State has all nine, all ten guys seated nine or higher and nine of them in the top eight scoring points. So, I mean, that's a crucial match for them because if Piccinini will win that match, he's in the final 12. He just needs to, you know, maybe beat Gilman or win one round on the back, and he's in the medals and score points for them. When you drafted to that second quarter bracket, this one's really interesting to me. Uh, Tim Lambert against Hudkins, Noah Gonser, Sean Fawes, Shakur Laney, Sean Nichol, and then Dylan Peters, Darian Cruz. And... Just to set this up for you, and then I'll let you go, Dylan Peters' composite rank is 15th, and he's seeded essentially 29th, which is essentially a terrible draw for Darian Cruz. And Sean Fawz is coming into this tournament pretty hot as well, having beaten Jack Mueller at the ACC. So, you know, who do you see coming out of this quarter bracket?
1: Well, I think it's... uh particularly uh fascinating right i mean you've got uh the, as you mentioned the peters cruise match and and uh what a tough draw there what are we going to see out of dylan peters i think he's the ultimate um wild card in this in this top half of the bracket and you, you know you look at him and seriano kind of similar situations in that we we don't really know what they're going to get but if they're right i mean there are guys that that can be there in the semi-finals and uh you know, Dylan Peters a year ago wrestles with a, a torn ACL and finishes sixth. And I think it was really one of the best stories of the tournament a year ago. But uh, sitting there for at sure. eight and six and having having to draw Cruz first round, who's, who's only lost twice and, and uh, has a win over Joey Dance, I think, uh, boy, that's, you know, as you mentioned, a tough draw for for both guys. And, and um, you know, and then let, let's say Peters pulls the upset there. Uh, then he's got Laney. Uh, the guy that just beat him in the, in the MAC finals, second round. Right. And so, um, not like, you know, you really get a break, um, you know, where you pull off a big upset and then you sort of take his seed and get a, you know, a little bit easier path in the bracket. It, it doesn't get a whole lot easier for him then. But, uh, you know, Tim Lambert's uh, a guy that as a senior is, is, uh, you know, showed that, uh, you know, he's been a lot more consistent this year. He hasn't, um, you know, been upset. Uh, like he has in the past, I mean, I think he you know three of his losses are to Gilman, i think another to Suriano. he's uh maybe the other two or to to Lizak if I'm not mistaken or or one to Lezak for sure but uh um struggling to remember where that sixth loss came but uh, uh a, a guy that's, that's' ironed out a lot of things this this year as a senior and and um you know tough on top uh, hard to get away from and and i think if you get to uh a uh uh Lambert Fawz matchup. That's that's certainly no gimme for Lambert there either. Fawz is a guy that yeah. uh took Joey danced overtime. Um just yep. a, a really uh boy, this is this is gonna be um one of the best quarter brackets I think to watch in the tournament yep. um at, at one twenty five just from the standpoint of of you could see uh one, two, three, four, five guys maybe coming out of it and, and being there yeah. in the semifinals.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think pause is a tough draw. I mean, he's a big kid, wrestled 33 half the year. So a couple of those losses that he has at 33. We dropped to the third quarter bracket. You got, like you mentioned, when we did our uh, rankings podcast, Suriano. We have no idea what we're going to get from him. Aiken, the Sony versus Freddie, a SoCon uh, rematch. Josh Torral versus Jose Rodriguez. And then Christian Moody, Lezak. it feels to me like if if we're right that Seriano is not going to be healthy, that this this draw really benefits Freddie Rodriguez, and certainly benefits the winner of that that eight that eight bracket of uh, Terrell Rodriguez, Moody Lezak, and on paper that would be Lezak, and it feels like Freddie and Lezak might meet in the quarterfinals. There, Do you kind of see it that way. Uh... It, yeah, certainly it
1: could. I mean, one of the things that uh, is really fascinating looking at that SoCon matchup with with Passone and Rodriguez is uh, Passone won by Tech Falls in December, I think, or, or maybe January, but but mid season he beat him twenty two seven, and and I think Freddie has probably had the most fascinating season of anybody at one hundred twenty five pounds because he yeah, started hot, he was up in the up in the top eight, he dealt I think with a knee problem in the middle of season didn't wrestle at midlands went through that that um slump there where i think he lost like 6 of 8 or something like that or 5 of 7 and and you know we dropped him out of the rankings altogether there and then um you're seeing him get hot here down the stretch and and uh, coming in with uh um, shoot. I think, I think, um, and, and maybe a nine match winning streak. Yeah. I think it's a nine match winning streak that he comes into the NCAA championships with. And, and so, um, a guy, a guy that won some matches at last year's tournament. Could he, uh, he make runs run the semifinals? I, I, I think, uh, if you're looking for a guy in, in the double digit seeds that could be in there in the semis, this is, this is a pretty good candidate right here.
0: Yeah, for sure. And
1: then you drop to that and bottom bracket. As well as Terrell yeah. sitting there at the 11th seed, I think uh, you know, as I mentioned, the, you know, two of the guys that have given Gilman the the <laughs> most hits this year are Terrell and and Lizek and they could bump and, it in uh, the second round. Yeah, Terrell is not going to be a comfortable match for anybody just because he's got that that big move, home run capability with you know a lot of stuff that's unconventional that uh, can put guys. Um in places that, that they don't typically get into.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's got a funky style for sure. We go to the bottom quarter, Sean Russell uh seven, Jack Mueller's the ten, Templeman's the fifteen, Joey Dance is the two, Templeman for the fifteen seed, his reward is Connor Uzi, who came out of retirement and all he does is win big matches at the NCAA tournament. And Joey Dance for going twenty five and one gets the winner of Townsville and McGee in the big tail. To me, this is just crazy how this quarter bracket drew out. You know, obviously, dance is the favorite, but he struggled the last you know couple NCAA tournaments, It would be really fascinating here to see who comes out.
1: Absolutely, I mean, he's had coach matches with Russell. Um, you know, you got Mueller there. Um, you know, Barlow McGee last year, uh, around a twelve guy. Um, right, Templeman you know you know a guy that uh uh has been around for a while you mentioned ut um coming back um from you know his Cliff Keen sales rep uh since <laughs> uh, straight better quarterback consultant uh, yeah that's right yep. <laughs> and uh you know a guy that that beat uh Lee Zach in the Big 10 quarters um you know i think i think he's he's a really uh fascinating case as well too, right? I mean, because he hasn't had the best pre NCAA resumes, you know, coming Ever. into, coming into yeah. the tournament, um, you know, a, a guy that I think might've had like 15 losses at one point here. I, I got to pull up his, his bio, but uh, um, you know, seems to be, be the guy that that turns into Mr. March, him and Miles Martin. So we so, see, yeah, looking at it right now, um, 2014, he was 27 and 15, and, and uh, placed sixth at the NCAA Championships. Last year, he was 17 and 15, and finished sixth at the Big Tens and fifth at the NCAA Championships. So he has been a guy that has found a way to put it together uh, at the national right. tournament, and and um, you know that's going to be really interesting to see if he can do it one more time because. Um, you know he he's a guy that uh you know obviously we mentioned the seasoning but a guy that that has the ability to to hang in there with the top guys and and uh you know it, it wouldn't shock me if he came out of it and he was he was in the semifinals but uh you could say that about Sean Russell you could say that about Jack Mueller um you know you know Travis Pytrowski from from Illinois even had a couple um great battles uh, with you right. the Big Ten Championships, and then, you know, McGee and Townsville. It's it's just uh, a really interesting bottom
0: uh I think the whole bottom, bottom, bottom half is there. really interesting. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So 33, we we'll talk a little bit about this, but one of the things I want to point out, we talked about how they should see all the way out. Corbin Meyer's perfect example. In our composite average, he's the number 17th ranked guy. He gets seated thirty second. Gets Thomasello. So this is argument number one on why this should happen. Um, Socorro is wrestles Devoy, Scotty Parker, Colby Smith, Alex Madrigal, Zane Richards. So it feels like Tomasello, Zane. There, I really want to pick your brain about the second quarter brackets. Uh, Misich uh, is the five. Josh Albert twelve. Earl Hall thirteen. Corey Clark four. Connor Schram, who's ranked 19th in our composite rankings, draws in as the number 29 seed. Not a great draw for Corey Clark. If if Clark makes the semis or further, he'll he'll probably have Schram, Hall, and the winner of Misic, Albert, and then probably Tomasello. So, when you take an overall look at that top half of the bracket, do you see it being Tomasello, Clark, or or do you see you know Misik breaking up the party or Zayn, or what are your thoughts there?
1: Boy, it could go so many different ways. And, uh, you know, Thomas Ellis established himself as a clear cut number one. Uh, but he's had uh, a couple, he had a couple of really close scraps there in the Big Tens. I mean, Michich uh, took him right down to the wire. Clark uh, was a half a second away from taking him to overtime. Um, I, I don't think that Tom Ryan was probably real thrilled to see Zane Richards at the eight seed there. I mean you're talking about a guy that was seconds away from being in the national finals last year and and uh you know comes in with four losses, uh one to Montoya, uh two to Mitrich at the Big 10 Championships and then one to Tomasello and it was a major decision and you know it seems like some matches have just gotten away from Zane this year that the scores have gotten lopsided but but uh um still a guy that, that if, if he's there on Saturday night in the finals, I, I don't think anybody would really be, be floored by that. Um, you know, uh, Clark, uh, to me is, you know, in I Iowa wrestling prior to taking this job, I covered the Hawkeyes for, I think like 17 years. And, and, uh-huh. I would put him and Derek St. John and, and, you know, uh, it's a really short list of, of like the toughest, guys that I've ever seen come through that program and that, that stretch. And, and to do what he has done this year uh, with the ailment that, that he's dealing with um, it, it's, it's been unbelievable. And uh, you know, I, I, I covered Corey for four years in high school and, and you're, you're talking about a guy that's unbelievably mentally tough and uh, has a super high wrestling IQ. And so you combine those things and he's learned to adapt the style uh, I, I think, and learn, learn to figure out what he can and can't do. And and uh, are we seeing Corey Clark at 100%? No, but I think uh, he, he's 100% mentally, and um, he's certainly not going to be an easy out for anybody. I think he's a guy that, that is fully capable of winning this tournament still. Um, but, you know, that being said, I think you could probably look at, at six or seven guys here. And and I think for that's sure. what makes 133, uh, to me, uh, probably the most fun, fun weight in the entire tournament, just because you, you start getting into those quarters. And, and I think everything from the quarters on is going to be like a national championship caliber match
0: for sure. For you, could sure. Say, you
1: could probably say the same thing about 41, but, uh, you know, 133 yeah. is going to be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I agree. So. Uh, bottom half, Cade Brock is the 3, Mitch McKee 14, Brian Lantry 11, Dom Forrest 6. And I, I must say, I did tell everyone who was listening that Dom Forrest would not end up being the 8 seed, and we were right about that. Montoya is the 7, Ernesty's is the 10, Jamal Morris is the 15, Seth Gross is the 2. I'm just looking at our clock here, and just so we don't keep people on for two hours, Andy. We're already at almost 27 minutes, so who are your highlights here? Does it, do you feel like it's Brock, Seth Gross, Part 3? Or do you think somebody break up, breaks up the party there?
1: Well, Montoya in gross, uh, if if it materializes, and I know uh, ernesty has been wrestling pretty well, and that's uh, certainly sure. no easy 7-10 draw for, for Montoya. But but if we see that, you know, we saw Montoya and Gross at the Midlands, and they wrestled seven minutes, and nobody scored a point, And, you know, eventually Montoya took him down and won 2-0 in overtime, and that's the one in the loss column for Seth gross. And so, um, you know, you're looking at a couple um, you know, I I don't want to say similar styles, but, uh, in in the sense that they're similar in the sense that, you know, both guys pretty tough on top and, and, uh, you know, Montoya is certainly a guy that, uh, you know, you look at, at uh, what I said about Zane Richards on the top. If he's there on Saturday night, it wouldn't totally shock me. Um, so, you know, and and then looking a little higher in the the bracket, I think one of the things that could be really interesting if we get to this point on Thursday night is a, a Brock Mitch McKee match. Uh, right. Guys that have you know a ton of history going back to their That's right. uh, yeah. younger days. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, yep. And yep. Uh, and Mitch McKee looks like um, like he's starting to make some strides here. I mean, the the third period that he had against Montoya in the big 10 quarters was, was incredible. I mean, he's down three Oh and uh, I'm trying to remember how that played out. I think, um, I think he got a reverse ball or he got a takedown, whatever it was. He got a chance to get on top and then he got two tilts for eight points. And in one minute, Montoya's up three, nothing. The next he's he's getting majored. And so uh, you look at a guy like McKee, who's really tough on top and that's kind of been the weakness for Cade Brock this year. Right. I mean, You now the people that have given him problems have gotten on top and ridden him and so that's one to watch if it materializes Thursday night.
0: For sure. Well let's jump to forty one. And this it's it was the seeds were pretty chalky here. Ohio one, Jack two, McKenna three, Kaladzic, four, Ashnall five, D. Camilla six, Joe Ward seven. Um then it got a little different because Ironman went eight, McChrystal went nine, and Meredith went ten, and, and most of us had Meredith ranked eighth. Uh, but it does create a little bit of interesting matchups. The top quarter bracket, uh, top half bracket, you got the seat. You know, Ohio will probably get the winner of McChrystal-Ironman. Ashnault has a round two look-like matchup with Pletcher. Javier Gaskin, Jimmy Goulabon right out of the chute. The winner gets Colostick, and the winner of that gets Ashnault. So, I'm done picking against Dean Heil. I haven't picked against him all year, but that kid, after interviewing him, I'm just really impressed. Do you do you feel like this is Heil Kalazic or Ashnell beats Kalazic, or how do you see this top half playing out?
1: Well, I think it could go so many different ways, but I'm I'm kind of with you in that uh, until somebody finds a way to to beat Dean Heil, you know, you, you, it's really hard to pick against him. And I mean, it's it you know it's looked like it would happen a few times this year. I mean, even, um, you know, the, the scuffle and, and some of these other matches, I mean, he had a close match with Topher Carton of Iowa. He had an eight, six match with Ironman um, the match uh, with Meredith and the dual meet, I think was seven, five, but you know, the one trend in all this is Dean Heil keeps winning them all. And so That's whether right. he wins three, whether he wins three to two or, or um, whether he's, you know, fighting to keep from getting a non control fall against Gulliban or or um whether he's winning shootouts where he's scoring a bunch of takedowns and and uh uh you know we talked on the last show about the Meredith match and how Meredith's points all came off the bottom and and uh you know no matter what the scores are Dean Hiles always getting his hand raised and, and there's there's something to be said for that. Um it's a winner, I plain think- and simple absolutely I do think there are um you know five six other guys maybe uh that could win this and and you know looking down the bracket I think one of the things that's really fascinating and, and we talked a little bit about this uh off air was um Bryce Meredith essentially um not the same exact draw as a year ago but it's pretty similar in who he's got yeah. to beat. I mean now you throw you throw Joey Ward in there as, as a potential 7-10 match but uh uh, last year, when Meredith made that run to the finals, um, he had to beat uh, Kevin Jack, his former teammate at North Carolina State. He had to beat uh, Joey McKenna in the semifinals. And, it, it you know, he's, he's going to have to get through Jack. He's going to have to yep. get through McKenna. Um, Micah Jordan's not there anymore, but, uh,
0: you know, he, I think that was
1: his quarter draw. It uh, was.
0: Joey Ward's artist- J- taking the place of Micah Jordan to share yep. the Bryce Meredith story, yeah. Yeah, yep. so it'll be interesting um, to so see how
1: he does that. And then, then uh, you know, we've talked about Penn State, and they're not scoring any points at 33. We don't know what they're going to get at 25. Um, and we're not sure what they're going to get at 41, because Jimmy Golubon, uh looked like he was surging in the second half of the season and really had a good Big Ten season. One, earned the number two seed, and then he gets pinned three times at conference championships. And two of the three guys that pinned him at the Conference Championships are sitting there in the same quad. Javier Gasca, the third, first round. It was a 5-2 match, and Gasca took him to his back and pinned him. Uh, Gasca was winning the, winning the match. Gilliband bounces back into the, the consolations, and he gets pinned in less than a minute by Ryan Deal of Maryland. So if he does not beat Gasca, um, he's looking at a potential match against Deal. Um, unless Deal pulls off the upset against Kalodzic. Uh And that's uh, where Jimmy Kilobon's wrestling for his, his tournament life at that point. And so I'm not sure Penn State can afford to take a donut at the first three weights when you look at, um, you know, the, the firepower that Ohio State has. And, and as you mentioned, Oklahoma State having nine or ten guys seeded ninth or better. Uh-huh. That's going to make uh, – for a tall hill to climb for the Nittany Lions if, if they're not getting anything out of those first three weights.
0: Yeah, and we're going to run through that because I put those numbers together here at the end. So we jumped to 49, Zane's the one, Colica, two, Mace, three, Micah, four, Sorensen, five, Chisco, six, Thompson, seven, Lugo, eight, Oliver, nine. And another example of where they should see the 33, Josh Marucos ranked composite average of 20th, gets seated 32nd, and Cole Mendenhall, composite rank of 17, gets seated 31st. So just terrible draws for those two guys, where they draw into, uh, depending on which order I said those guys, Zane and Kalika, respectively. Without getting in real deep into the weeds on this weight, to me, it feels really chalky. And I guess what I mean by that is it feels like Zane against either Lugo or Oliver, Sorensen, Micah Jordan again. Mays and Chisco again, and then Kalika, Max Thompson. Do you see anybody upsetting the the apple cart there on those quarterfinal draws?
1: Um, yeah, yeah I don't, I don't think so. Um, the the the, uh, you know, certainly the Oliver Lugo match, if it if it materializes, is one to watch. Um, you know, look at Lugo's draw though. I mean, he's got Coacher first round. A returning all American and Oliver and that's just to get to Rutherford. And and for a guy that beat Brandon Sorensen late in the season, um boy, he didn't um he didn't get any favors with the draw here, but uh certainly also put himself there with some losses that he, that he sustained uh you know prior to February. Um but uh yeah, I think the way it plays out, boy that that topside uh is a monster. When you look at uh Rutherford, Lugo, Oliver, um, Jordan, Sorensen. Um you know, there's one of the first round matches I think that's that's really interesting too is a guy like Spino drawing the twelve, gets Krohn first round, a guy that's beaten him uh yeah. early in the year as well. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, for sure. This just this bracket feels really chalky though. And you know, I know a lot of people listening to us are going to fill out their brackets and stuff like that. I mean, this is one where it feels like there's not as many upsets that look possible, like versus a 25 or something like that. So now we hit 57, and the bracket is redrawn. Um, and we got Knoll at the one. Lopez is the 16. Josh Shields is nine. Jake Short is eight. Joe Smith is five. Tyler Berger is four, Glass is 12, Brill 13, LaValle talked about as the quietest 25 and one guy in the country is the three, Mastriani 14, Russell Parsons really nice season 26 and four is the 11, Clayton Ream is the six, Dylan Palacio, the big wild card at this weight is the seven, Colin Heppernan is the 10, Archie Colgan kind of a disappointing big 12 is at the 15, and then Kemmer is the two again this feels to me like the matches i'm really looking forward to if they materialize and i guess you could stop saying that every match or every uh bracket but Kemmer palacio is a fascinating match to me um and then you know if he gets out to their burger joe smith seems really interesting other than that it really feels like nolf's going to make it out to the quarters and then you know joey Lavalley's never meddled before but he's got a great draw so what are your takeaways from looking at this bracket?
1: Well, I think one of the things you know we we looked at it before in, in uh, Palacio and Bullard. You know, when when the draw first came out was a first round match, and that was kind of interesting. And now, instead of getting Bullard, he gets uh, Taylor Bramani, the the ACC champ first round. So I think that's kind of fascinating. Um, you know, just seeing how how things worked out after the redraw uh you know we mentioned that Victor Lopez goes from having to face uh Joe Smith uh right away and, and now gets uh t j Rochelle instead um, you know Bullard goes from having Palacio who's wrestled uh what nine matches this year and instead draws off um things couldn't have probably worked out worse for him there uh, <laughs> absolutely but but uh. <laughs> You know, yeah. um it, it's just such a shame for Brian Murphy too. I mean a guy um All American a couple years ago, a guy that's been right there so many times and, and you look at um what he did at the Big Ten Championships where he finished fourth and he beat Tyler Berger. He uh I, I think gave an, an up an escape like right before the horn to lose to Kemmerer in the uh in the semis and then he, he uh wounds up taking wound up, winds up taking fourth. Um, you know, and I, I didn't see anything that happened in that match where certainly I was watching, you know, all over the place, getting interviews and watching the finals, but, but I didn't see anything or hear anything that happened to Murphy in that, that match. But, uh, you know, just such a shame for a guy that, you know, that's a senior to have uh, his career end like that, especially, you know, when, when it uh, looks like he might be able to make another all American run this year, but based on the way he was wrestling.
0: Yeah. He's another guy. And, you know, it's funny is Uchi and Murphy are actually really good friends. I know that from talking to Connor. You know, I would tease him, like, you're two guys that know how to get it done at the end of the year. So, uh, yeah. It, it,
1: look, it, at, it, uh, look at Michigan, though. The whole season, I mean, you've got Adam Kuhn goes down before the season, and he red shirts, and then Abinader, and um, the 25-pound situation where, where they lost, uh, I think, like three guys. There um, is three yeah, we lost that that and, and, and uh you know um uh acid was drilling the night before the Nebraska duel and blew out his ACL while just drilling and and you know just such a a tough season for Michigan from a from an injury standpoint uh you know fortunately a lot of those guys uh have another go round you know next year and some may have more than that but uh um tough break for for uh, Brian Murphy to have it end this way.
0: Yeah, for sure. We'll jump to sixty-five. Really interesting matches here. I'mars the one, Master the two, Vincenzo's the three, Isaac's the four, Chad Walsh is five, Daniel Lewis six, Anthony Valencia seven, Dylan Cottrell eight, Chandler Rogers nine, uh, Tishon Campbell ten. So a couple things that you know jump out to me, and I'll let you talk about it. Uh, The eight nine matchup. Is a Big 12, is the second bracket we have where it's a Big 12 final rematch. And obviously, they're always going to involve an Oklahoma State guy because they had 10 in the finals. And this is a huge match for Oklahoma State. If, if Rodgers can get by Cottrell again, he'd be in the same spot Piccinini would be. That second quarter bracket, you've got some big move dudes with Chad Walsh, Austin Matthews, and Walmack, and, and then Mr. Steady Isaac Jordan waiting for him. The third quarter bracket, it looks like. You have a Lewis-Styart rematch, probably, and if Lewis got past that, him versus Vincenzo is fascinating to me. And then Massa-Valencia, guys that have wrestled each other in in freestyle before, if the Seeds hold, would wrestle in the quarterfinals there. So it seems to me like those quarterfinal matches, and even a couple of the round of 16 matches, are really, really fascinating. Um, Which of these are, are the most interesting to you, Andy?
1: Well, if, if you want to start in the first round, I think um, you know Chad Walsh and Johnny Sebastian could be wild. I think uh, <laughs> Javante Mahias and Tishon Campbell could be wild. I mean Mahias Good uh, call there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, Penn Steyer, Um You know, he's got uh, got a win over Cottrell, if I'm not mistaken. I'm. I'm uh, I know he's won some some matches against some dudes that are are seated uh, pretty highly here and uh, a guy with a a lot of a big move capability and then you know Sean Campbell you're you're seeing a guy that uh you know ranks near the top uh nationally in tech falls uh 20 and 2 um I think he has two losses I, I know one is to Chandler the Rogers and uh I'm I'm struggling to remember who that second one uh was against but uh a guy that is has really quietly um you know, I haven't heard a lot of people talk about Tishon Campbell, and yet he's he's sitting there at 20-2 and two coming off a uh, performance at, at the ACCs where he ran through it, 12 uh in the semis against Ray Bethea and, and uh, 7-0 in the finals against Brian Hammond. And uh, just looking at his – oh, his other loss was to Vincenzo at the Keystone Classic, lost 9-5. to So, um, you know, a guy that's beaten Austin Matthews and, and – um, you know, like I said, quietly had a pretty good season. I think if, if you look to Thursday night and some of the stuff that could materialize there, I think you nailed it with Rogers Cottrell. That's a huge match for, um, uh, Oklahoma state in the team race. Uh, Walsh and Matthews have, have had some battles this year, uh, in the E E W L. Um, I think, Sty- you know, same with and Lewis and the Mac yeah, uh, gone back for and sure. forth and, 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 uh, uh, I didn't get a chance to see the max finals, but it sounds like Lewis got out to an early lead and Steyer uh, had him on the ropes a little bit late. Lewis held on there. Um, if, if we get a seven, 10 matchup, Anthony Valencia, Tisha on Campbell um, should be a lot of fun. Um, so I think uh, the, you targeted the one to really watch though, in that eight, nine matchup. If if that materializes.
0: Yeah. Chandler Rogers was really close to winning that match. They had a challenge. And the call was upheld, and the call was right. Um, but he was about four seconds away from having to take down a back point. Um, to me, Daniel Lewis really stands out in this bracket because this weight, unlike a lot of the other weights, not all the top guys have wrestled each other. Obviously, the Big Ten guys, the top four guys have all wrestled each other, but a bunch of these other guys haven't hit up, and Lewis really hasn't wrestled most of them, in- including Vincenzo. And so, you know, obviously he, he knows he can beat Steyer. And his – if you haven't wrestled Daniel Lewis and you get underneath him, that's that's a world you're not used to. And, I mean, that would be an, a big upset if that were to happen. Not like a shocking result, but would really impact the team race as well. And then, you know, that would – if he got that far, that puts him against Valencia or Massa, who he's never wrestled before either. So – for all the people coming to St. Louis and the St. Louis will show out full force, Lewis is a guy that I think can make a nice run there. Um, we go to 74s. The so Heat is the one. Real Butto, two. Bojo, three. Epperly, four. Mark Hall, five. Um, Ryan Priest, six. Crutchmer, seven. Ethan Ramos, eight. Miles and nine. This is a weight that all year it's had a lot of depth and there are some interesting matches. I'm going to steal one of your ones. I'll let you talk about it. But you pointed out to me the Amin-Shopstall match. I'll let you, you know, talk about that. You mentioned Hall and Kosar to me off the air, too. Those are fascinating ones for the for round ones. To me, what's kind of interesting is uh, in round two, you have a potential Meyer-Priest matchup. And I kind of think Kyle Crutchmer got a pretty good draw. Um, you know, his style is to keep things controlled. And you know, he, I think he struggles with high volume guys, and he's going he to have either Reed or Residori coming out of the pigtail, and then Brunson, who you know doesn't doesn't watch a high volume of attacks, and then Rio Butto, who's obviously very good, but he, he's a, a counter puncher. So it feels like that bracket might open up a little bit for him, and then I think clearly Mark Hall's a huge part of the team race, and. You and I, when we first started doing these together, you were at, I think it's West Gym, is that what it's called? You and I were, Epperly and, and Lujan had a classic. So the floor is yours. There's a lot of matches here. Tell me what you're thinking about.
1: Well, I think uh, in terms of uh, first-round matches to watch, I don't know that any weight has more of them than, than 74. And, and and you look at uh, Amin and Shofstall, uh was – uh I think a nine seven match I'm not sure if it was overtime, but it was nine seven out in vegas uh a mean one that one um hall at the five seed draws David Cocher, who has two wins against Leland Weatherspoon and another um against Kyle crutchmer this year and so yeah. five seed five seed drawn a guy that already has three wins over over all Americans. Um, the this season is is not the, the earliest first round out.
0: Um, Let me jump in here number. real quick because you point out something really important. David Koser is ranked 14th in our composite average, and he gets the 28th seed. And right below him on the line, Jaden Bernstein is ranked 15th in our composite, and he's 21. This is yet another reason why these guys should be seated out to 33. Okay, I'll be quiet. Go ahead.
1: Well, I you know, and, and I made this in the the, the bracket observations too, and and um, uh, you know, I, it was kind of surprising to me to see Coacher unseated and behind Weatherspoon, who is right. 14th. Leland Weatherspoon of Iowa State. Um, Coacher beat him twice. Won, won their both of their head to heads, and uh, also finished ahead of him at the Big, at 12, Big Twelve, where he yeah. where he earned he earned a, an automatic qualifier, and, and Weatherspoon had to get an at large uh, to get in now, Weatherspoon has some, some other wins in there, obviously. And he's, he's, uh, I think ahead of coacher in the coaches rankings has a win over, uh, Alex Meyer. They split this year. He was in the Midlands finals. Um, right. You know, so it's, so it's not just a, uh, a coacher versus weather argument. It's, it's, uh, you know, both of those guys versus the entire bot, you know, entire field. And, and that factors into, but just based off, uh, what we saw in terms of head-to-head at other places that, that you know, that surprised me a little bit. Um, uh, Epperly and Renan first round, those guys have had a couple of close matches, uh, in the ACC this year, uh, Pagano and Preesch. uh, Pagano, Jordan Pagano of Rutgers, uh, beat Ryan Preesch of Lehigh 10 to four on February 17th in the, in the, uh, uh division one dual championship series, NWCA Division One Dual Championship Series. Um so I think, you know, just a, a three, four, five maybe first round matches that, that uh, at this weight that you don't want to miss. Bernstein and Kent. Uh, uh-huh. another one. And uh you know that that's just talking first round. Then you get out to to round two and, and the possibility of uh, a mean and Ramos in round two um you know, you mentioned Lujan and Epperly. That was uh, one of the, the one of the best matches we've seen all year. And uh, the one thing that happened in that match, uh, it really felt like um, Luhan gave him a lot of trouble in the first couple periods um, with just his scrambling skills. And, and uh seemed like Epperly kind of figured that out more and more as they went along. If, if there's a rematch, that would be interesting to see what kind of adjustments uh, Zach Epperly makes there. Um, you know, you mentioned Meyer and, and preach, um, and then, uh, you, you know, you talk about, uh, the possibility of, of Kretschmer, Brunson, Brunson's a guy that's been close to making a stand. Um, and, and can he finally break through and get there this year? Uh, he's going to have some stiff competition. Cause this, this is a weight where it just felt like, um, there were certainly like a dozen guys that, that like, like the tier of. You had the top tier of Zahid and, and Real Buto and Bo and um, Epperly. They, they were in the top four almost, um, you know, after Zahid oh, made its yeah. surge. After Zahid yep. made a surge. And, you know, once we got in the second season, there was like, like that tier of, of four guys. And then Preesh and Mark Hall um, kind of jumped to the top of that next tier. And Crutchmer was kind of, um, you know, in and around the top five all year. And then, you know, going down to to the likes of Meyer and Amin and Brunson, um, but it seemed like it fell off a little bit after 12, and and so, um, you know. But but that being said, I think there there might be maybe 15, 16, 17 guys that that uh, if they're on the stand um, Saturday night, uh, it wouldn't totally shock me. I think this has been one of the deepest weights all year.
0: Yeah, Uh, and one last thing on this week, we'll jump to 84. Anybody following the path of some of the number one seeds, Valencia probably has about as bad as it gets. He gets Brookie in round two, who is one of three guys to beat Mark Hall. Then he gets Ramos, who's wrestled him really close two times this year. And then either, I mean, there's no easy draw in the semis, but he could get Mark Hall, who he has lost to in freestyle. That that's all that's his reward for going thirty three and oh. So kind of a crazy draw for him. All right, let's jump to eighty four. Fascinating way. Gabe Dean one. Bo Nickel two. Nickel gets the two in spite of losing in the Big Ten semis. Sammy Brooks three. Nolan Boyd, kind of a surprise to me, got the four. He's only lost to guys above him, beat everybody below him. That obviously voted well for him. Savatsky's the five. Uh Miles Martin, six. And probably a good draw for um, Iowa, That match up well there. Dudley 7, Decau 8, Nate Jackson 9, Machiavello 10. So I'll give you my initial thoughts and then the floor is yours. It looks like Dean will get the winner of Jackson, Decau in the quarters. Oklahoma State could not have picked for a, a better draw. You know, if they had to pick somebody they had to beat in the quarters... They didn't want Dean, they didn't want Nickel, they didn't want Brooks, and they probably didn't want Miles Martin. Savatsky's so a stud, but it's not a guy that's that's beaten them up so far this year. That third quarter bracket, all signs point to Sammy Brooks, Miles Martin, part three. And then the bottom feels like it's gonna be Dudley Nickel, part three. And you know, I, I think it'll be interesting to see if Nickel just had one a blip or if he's a little bit vulnerable. So what are your overall thoughts about this bracket, Andy?
1: Well, I think one of the things that you know, and we knew it would happen. Uh, we knew that somebody at the nine seed was going to be a pretty tough customer. And seeing Nate Jackson there, twenty nine and three. I think the only other weight where there's a nine seed that has fewer than three losses is that one twenty five with Josh Rodriguez. Um, so, you know, when you're when you're looking pound for pound and in you know, going through all 10 weights, you know, wh- whether, you know, Gabe Dean is your number one or Kyle Snyder or Jason Nolfe or whoever, you know, IMR, whoever, um, certainly Gabe Dean's quarter draw is probably the toughest of all those top guys. Um, you know, because he's, he's going to get uh, most likely uh, Jackson or Decal. Um, right. That, that's interesting to me. Um, you know, and especially when you look at, at Nate Jackson's losses this year, I mean, he lost twice to, to Sam Brooks, and then uh, um, I'm struggling here to remember who his third loss was to. Was it Dudley? I think in the in the Midlands, maybe. That's right, Dudley or Jack in and, the Midlands. Uh, and so, um, you know, that's you know, you're also talking about Nate Jackson, a guy that's handed Bo, you know, one of the two guys that's beaten Bo Nickel in his career, so. Uh, just, just a, uh, th- I think that speaks volumes to the strength of this weight, and especially at the top of this weight. Um, going down, uh, the, going down the line, I mean Brooks and, and Gravina. I think they had uh, a match that was close for a little while, at least in the in the Midlands. Um, we've since seen Brooks uh, really have a tremendous second half of the season. I mean, the the one blip on the radar was that uh, getting caught in that splatle against Bo Nickel and, and pinned in like 38 seconds or whatever it was in the, in the dual meet. But, uh, um, you know, we talked about this on our podcast the other day. I mean, just the, the tournament that he had at the big 10 championships to go fall 13, six over Nate Jackson, 12, two over miles Martin, um, considering the, the strength of the big 10 at 184 pounds was, um and It's certainly an eye opener for a, for a guy to run through the bracket like that. Um, yeah, you know. Then for then sure. um, uh, you know, just just looking further down the line, I think one of the things that was interesting, and we we talked about it, would Brooks get the two or Nickel get the two? Um, the one thing that changes is um, instead of having a possible um, Nickel Martin rematch, um, you know, if Nickel had fallen to the three, you'd have you'd have potentially Nickel Martin. Instead you've got Brooks against Martin potentially. We talked about uh, uh on the rankings podcast the other day. Where would Nolan Boyd fall? Because he's got that really, really super interesting um body of work that that is um abnormal, right? I mean, for a guy yeah. for Oklahoma State and the schedule that they wrestle, uh, for a guy that uh is twenty one and four, his four losses are to the top three seeds, and uh you know, then um, his only victories against seeded wrestlers this year are, are against uh, number 12 Drew Foster in Northern Iowa and then Dakota Gear, the number 14 seed of Edinburgh. So um, that was w- one of the things that we were really uh, fascinating to see where he would fall in the seedings. And, and he draws the four, and that's uh, probably a pretty good place um, for Nolan Boyd in terms of Oklahoma State making a run in the team race. Where where uh, I
0: agree. Yeah.
1: You know, of all the potential uh, quarter draws that he could get, I mean, drawing, you know, take nothing away from Zavatsky. But uh, uh, w- would you rather draw Zavatsky or or if if he's the um, six or seven, um, then you're running into uh, Sam Brooks or, or Bo Nickel?
0: It's, it, clearly, you're rather a guy that hasn't beaten you versus a guy that's handled you. And yep. the, you, you're pointing out that the Nickel-Martin match doesn't happen. This weight for Penn State and Oklahoma State broke pretty well for them. A couple of other points here. Uh, Michael Coleman in our composite rankings is 18, and for that he gets the 32 seed. Gravina was composite ranked 20. He gets the 30th seed. And you are talking about guys with really good records in the 9-hole, and uh, the only other guys that looked through the brackets that had a really, really good record like that was Scottie Parker. Um, so I wanted to mention him too. He was sixteen and two. So anyway. Yeah, yeah. So good. we're good. Yep. Yeah. So those are the three really stud nine seed rankings. Uh 97, bronze medal Jaden Cox, undefeated, one seed. Brett Farr two. He gets the two over Colin Moore, and we talked about this because he won two out of three, I'm assuming. Moore gets the three, Jared Hot the four, Matt McCutcheon the five. Little surprise here, Preston Weigel gets the six. Uh Baker gets the seven. Uh, Ryan Wolf, 8, Nate Rodert, 9, Tevin Beasley, 10. So just to kind of lay this out for people who don't have a bracket in front of them, Cox, if the seeds hold, would get the winner of Wolf, Rodert in the quarters. McCutcheon would wrestle Frank Matisse from Penn in the round of 16. They had a very close match at the Keystone Classic. Tom Slade, Jared Haught would have a a 13-4 matchup. Colin Moore and and Weagle are, are... Look like they're on a collision course. Really interesting style matchups there in the quarters. Studebaker, not a great draw for him. He gets returning All American Brett Harner right out of the gate, and then Beasley, and then the bottom four is Ricky Robertson and Brett Farr, who are familiar with each other from the Big Ten. So, Harner's ranked 19th and gets the 26th seed in the bracket. So, again, another example of where you could pick something like this. So, um, to me, it feels like Jaden Cox versus Colin Moore, Brett Farr. Um, and both those guys have wrestled Cox really tough. Uh, and I'm also really fascinated by what you think of the Colin Moore-Preston Weigel match. So what are your thoughts on this bracket?
1: Well, I'm with you. And, you know, we've, we've talked at length about Colin Moore this year. And, and uh, I, I think, you know, we talked about the other day, too, just how um, – you know, the, the dual meet against Missouri and Ohio State early in the season where where when Colin Moore took Jaden down twice, it was like, what's going on with Jaden here? He comes off, you know, not getting taken down in the Olympics <laughs> against the best guys in the world, and then he gets taken down twice by this freshman from Ohio State. And, like, you know, that didn't add up, right? And, and right. everybody looked at it, you know, or at least I shouldn't say everybody. I don't want to say absolutes here, but but I think a lot of people looked at it like, what's going on with Jaden here? And that was to me like the, the 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 defining moment of the season for for Colin Moore, where things like really started to turn. Like, okay, this guy is for real. And you know, you, you look at it too. Like '97 has sort of felt like um, you know all year, like it was it was a wait where somebody could pop up and really make a run at at. Um, you know you know we sort of assumed that Jaden would be the one, but we r- really thought like you know the, that two three spot that, that somebody could come through the bottom side and and really make a run at it now um colin moore uh you know like like we said, a guy that it did in january and and one of the things that really impressed me too in in january nobody was um was blowing out cash wilkie of iowa and, and until colin moore did it and and that to me. Uh, was an eye opener like this guy. This guy's a title threat and, and not right. just making the finals because he's, he's pushed Jaden to the limit. And Jaden looks like he's, he's sort of, um, gotten, I, I don't want to say gotten back on track because the, the train was never really off the tracks, but, but it's running a lot faster now than what it was before. And, right. and we're starting to see him settle back into that, uh, into, um, that clear favorite role at this weight class. Um, you mentioned Studebaker and Harner. Um, that was a 2-1 tiebreaker match early in the year that, that Studebaker <laughs> won. Uh, certainly not the, the first-round draw <laughs> yeah, that it's he a probably won. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I do think, um, you know, if if uh, Jake Smith hadn't gotten hurt, he probably would have been in the number seven spot there because he had the head-to-head win against Studebaker. Right. Uh, he certainly would have been in, in consideration for that seven seed. Uh, so, um, you know, the way it works out, uh, Studebaker winds up on the bottom side, but, uh, um, you know, just, just, uh, you know, and we've kind of been saying this throughout the year that, that 197 felt like it fell off in a hurry after the first couple or three. And so, you know, could you see somebody in the nine ten range, making a, a run and finishing, you know, in the top four. I, I think that there's there's certainly the possibility here for somebody like um you know like like Rodert uh, who has uh you know wins over or guys like Studebaker. Um well Rodert has some good wins. He's beaten uh Studebaker, he's beaten Weigel. Um you know Kevin Beasley uh, went through a little bit of a lull in, in the middle of the season, I think after Midlands. Um looks like he's wrestling a lot better now. Um, you know, th- those are some types that, that could maybe, uh, you know, uh, if you're looking for sleepers in your bracket, send us a little bit higher than where they're seated. Those are, you know, a couple guys that I see that, uh, you know, could do that.
0: I agree with you. The other match i am be fascinated about, and it has a lot to do with the team race, is more Weigel if that happens. Because if, if Weigel could get a first takedown and ride more and, and take some starch out of him. That's a big thing. If Warren gets his offense going and gets those leg attacks and start working really hard, then Weigel would have to pick top and have to turn him. So I think that first period is going to be absolutely critical to how that match goes, and I'll be fascinated to see it. Jump to heavyweight. That Olympic, uh, that Olympic guy, Kyle Snyder, he's pretty good. He's the one seed. Menberry's the two. Walls is the three. Jacob Casper, four. Nick Neville five. Uh, Austin Schaefer, six. Tanner Hall, seven and then you get Crails at 8, Dejernet at 9, Butler at 10. So a couple things that jump out to me, um, Dejernet, Crails be an interesting round 2 match, Neville's gets probably Polaro, not a great draw, and then he gets Billy Miller, another tough guy, and then Casper, who's really athletic. So you've got to win three pretty tough matches to get to the semis, and it feels like Dawson Schaefer's got a pretty good draw to the quarters. The interesting match to me in Arizona State, we've talked about all year about how they can make the top 10. Tanner Hall has lost to Butler, and he would have him in round two if the seeds hold. So what are your thoughts on on heavyweight?
1: Well, you, you know, you start with Tanner Hall and, and Butler and the, and the Pac-12 guys. I mean, Butler opens up with, with Joseph Goodhart from Drexel, and Goodhart um, beat Butler in January, won a tiebreaker match there. So um, that's one where, where the 10 seed didn't get uh, a lot of favors from the draw. Uh, I, I think one of the things that was interesting to me uh, about the seedings was three, four, and five, right? I mean, because you could have made a case that, that Neville's deserves a three. You know, you're looking at a guy who's 20 and three, and his, his losses have come to Connor Medbury and Kyle Snyder. And, you know, he has five five wins against guys who are seeded 13th or better. You look at, at Ty Walls, um, he's got a loss to Medbury um, and a loss to Jacob Casper. He's, he's avenged that loss. Also has, um, I, I think, six wins against guys who are seeded in the top 15. And then you go to Casper, who's 27-3 and three, uh, with losses to Walls. Um, Ryan Solomon, and then uh, you know Wisconsin's backup Ben Stone, and uh, he has the most wins against seeded wrestlers with seven. They went with um, Walls at three, Casper at four, Neville's at five, and and that's uh, big for for Penn State. And that uh, you know Neville's falls on the same side as Snyder, and and uh, the match against Snyder um, uh, was was you know I think a major decision. In the it dual meet, it, uh, yeah. um, and, and so the matches against, you know, that, that's the difference between wrestling, potentially wrestling Snyder in um, the semis versus uh, possibly wrestling Connor Medbury in the semis. And, and the matches with, with Medbury and Neville's have been close. The matches with uh, Neville's and Snyder were not close. And so, huge difference in team points there, uh, potentially. Uh so that that was one that uh that I had my eye on um um also um just just kind of looking at things uh I think Ryan Solomon and Ross Larson uh could be interesting in the in the first round and that uh you know as we mentioned Solomon got the win over uh Jacob Casper uh the four seed Larson uh you know is division 1 wrestling's active pins leader um, guy that, uh, I, I think is maybe only about three or four short of Oklahoma's all time record for pins at this point. So, uh, um, you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, just thinking about this the other night too was just how many of the athletic light heavyweights that we have that score a lot of points here. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, kind of the evolution of the heavyweight weight class here, you know, because, sure. you know, 10 years ago, 10 years ago, we're looking at, um, or 11 years ago, I guess we're looking at, no, I guess it was 10. 10 years ago, you're looking at a uh, Cole Conrad in the finals. 11 years ago, you had Mako and Conrad in the finals, and in guys that are just almost impossible to move. But but by the same token, when you're getting a Conrad-Mako uh, match, you know it's it's probably coming down to one takedown. Now, right. looking at Snyder and Medbury, it was an 8-5 match in the Big Ten finals. Um, you know, Casper and, uh, 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 Ty Walls are guys that have put up a ton of points. I think they, they put up, uh, maybe 22 points in the first match of the season, uh, when they, they battled it out. And, and Ty Walls, you look at, uh, I, I don't remember the exact figure of how many points he scored at the Virginia duels and his matches there, but it seemed like he was putting up 20 every time out. I know, I know he had, um, a match uh, against, uh, uh Thomas Haynes, where I wanna say that those two put thirty nine on the board, something absurd <laughs> like that that uh um that uh, it just it's heavyweight's a lot more fun to watch when guys are scoring multiple takedowns and putting you know and we're seeing some double digit scores on the board and uh I think like i said it's it's really interesting to to see how the heavyweights have evolved here in the last ten years.
0: For sure, for sure. So I think what a lot of people are interested in, what does the team race look like if the schools wrestle to the seeds? So I'm going to give you the top four teams, Penn State 114, Oklahoma State 104, Ohio State 92.5, Iowa 77. However, Penn State's at 114 with what's getting 13.5 from Suriano. So he doesn't wrestle – they're at 100.5. I still think if everybody wrestled to those seeds and Soriano took a zero, Penn State's the favorite, because I think they'll out-bonus Oklahoma State by three and a half points. But if you take this and then say, okay, Chandler Rogers does one match better and goes from round of 12 to eight, now they're, they bump another three and a half points. Now it gets a little interesting. So... You know, and, and Oklahoma or Ohio State, excuse me, has guys that we don't have scoring many points. Uh, Jose Rodriguez and Pletcher, primarily, are guys that combined where they're ranked are going to score three, but could score more. So it does feel like Penn State doesn't really have this locked up. Obviously, if Suriano wrestles, it's a big difference. But it does show you that if if Suriano didn't wrestle and they were wrestling Gino Morelli or Shakur Rashid. Oklahoma State would be the favorite. So, you know, it's almost like that Cale Sanderson guy is a good coach and kind of knew what he was doing all along. So I think the team race is really, really going to be fascinating. Do you see it coming down to Penn State and Okie State? or I mean, you were at the Big Tens. Do you feel like Ohio State has enough? You know, they have five, maybe six big scorers, and then it looks like they're very, very, you know, very light in the other four weights in, in terms of scoring team points on paper.
1: Yeah, I think I think it's three. I think it's a three team race and that uh you know, if if uh you know the like look at it like Oklahoma State in their situation. You mentioned if they can they can get Rogers up there into the top eight. Just look at the volume of matches that you're gonna get as as a team if you if you've got ten guys wrestling on Saturday. Um you know, just in sheer numbers and bonus point opportunities, I think that's one way that they can um, level the playing field a little bit. Uh, yeah. You know that Bo Nickel, Bo Nickel and Zane Rutherford and Jason Nolfe are going to score a ton of bonus points, and, and they're going to get some bonus elsewhere with guys like Vincenzo and, and Nick Nevels and, you know, go down Hall. the line.
0: Yep. Barkhall. Yeah. Yep. That
1: guy's that guy known to put some people on their backs. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so that's one way that, that Oklahoma state can level the playing field. Um, you look at it from an Ohio state standpoint and, and if they've got Tomasello in the finals, if they've got, uh, um, you know, Bo Jordan in the finals, if they've got, uh, miles Martin make it a run, um, Colin Moore in the finals and Kyle Snyder in the finals, I think that they're right there. uh, I think what's going to be absolutely critical for Ohio uh, Ohio state. And and we mentioned that they didn't get a lot of favors with the draws, Uh, having Jordan fall uh, to the four seed rather than the three. That's a big deal there Um, because he's not been able to go the distance. Uh, Well, I guess he has the the dual meet. uh, uh, I think both of the tech falls were seven minutes, but, but nonetheless, he is, you know, is not kept it under a tech fall against Zane Rediford. And that's the guy he's going to have to get through to get to the finals. Um, but on, on that bottom side, could he have gotten hot and gotten through and, and beaten a guy like Kalikov, you know, you know, I don't know, or but, but yeah. Uh, we, yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, if him and Maze had flip-flops is what I'm saying. If, if, sure. uh, if Jordan had been the three, that that's a big deal. That's a big deal. Like uh, Neville's drawing the five instead of the three. Um. So I, I I do think that, um, you know, here a month ago we're looking at it and Penn State's starting to pull away and it's it's looking like, uh, you, you know, and the one thing, too, we haven't seen is we haven't really seen Penn State fall apart in a national tournament, right? and We haven't seen um, Oklahoma State fall apart in a national tournament recently. Those are two teams that have managed to, to wrestle extremely well at the NCAA championships, and and you've seen, um, you know, guys that have jumped up and and performed a lot better than where they've seeded. Dean Heil comes to mind a couple of years ago, where he, um, uh, you know, I, I don't remember if he was seeded at all. I, I want to say he was not. If he was, he was a really low seed, and he ends up finishing, I think, what fourth.
0: He was um, seeded fourteenth.
1: Fourteenth. Okay, so he goes from fourteen to four, right? Um. Yeah. Uh, we we saw uh, Kindig the year that, that he yep. made the finals I think was a double digit seed
0: 11 um,
1: seed so it just it just seems like uh, Oklahoma State has figured out how to wrestle well at the national tournament um, certainly looks like Oklahoma, you know Penn State has as well I mean they've wrestled from start to finish they've wrestled lights out here during this run uh, so it, it would surprise me if if those teams weren't up to their top level for the national tournament. So I think you have to go and get them rather than expecting them to come back to the pack.
0: You mentioned a really interesting dynamic, and that is that if Oklahoma State has nine guys or ten guys wrestling, and, you know, let's say they put two or three in the finals, but they have six, seven, eight guys wrestling on the backside, one, that's a lot of momentum because you just keep seeing those orange singlets popping up. But the other thing is, those kind of guys don't give up injury defaults or forfeits on the backside because they're wrestling for the team. There's other guys that thought they were going to win the tournament and don't really care whether they're third or sixth. And you see a lot of pins on Saturday morning and default. You see more bonus points among really good guys on the backside on Saturday morning than any other round. And that could really benefit Oklahoma State if they're six, seven, eight deep in, in that round. They could they can make a big push there and really force Penn State to have to win all those matches in the finals and, you know, have to maybe win with bonus. So I think that's a fascinating part of it as well.
1: Well, and, and too, with the the numbers, it certainly puts uh, a lot of pressure on Penn State, right? I mean, if, if, you know, we talked about if they don't get anything from, you know, 25 and 41 and and they're at a numbers disadvantage, then they have to – they they can't afford – somebody not coming through they can't afford Neville's to slip or Vincenzo to slip or Mark Hall to slip and and it just it puts a lot of stress on everybody in that lineup
0: and at the end of the day all three guys you mentioned are freshmen and that you know that's something else too so Neville's yeah it'll be, yeah yeah but first round. first yeah but you're right yeah absolutely my my bad so well I think that'll wrap it up for the show. Andy, I want to publicly thank you for all the help you've given me this year, uh, teaching me how to use an SD card, but, but more importantly, <laughs> you know, the help, the help with the interviews and the connection, you know, connecting me with several of my guests on match at and, and just being a, a guy there that I could call when I needed help. So I want to thank you for that.
1: Well, thank you, David. Your contribution to track wrestling has been invaluable. Um, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have rankings, if it weren't for you and, and the work that you've done there. And uh, so we greatly appreciate it. Matt chat has been outstanding. One of my highlights of the week is uh, getting my hands on that and being able to listen to it. Cause I think uh, the insight that you've, you've brought there um, with, with the assistant coaches has been tremendous. We've seen um, seen a different side of, of, of a lot of those guys that, uh, you know, we don't get to hear their voice as much and and uh some of the stories that you brought out of those guys it's been outstanding and um greatly appreciate uh all of your contributions this year
0: thank you and i want to thank all the guys that were guests on math chat this year um the show is not going away we, you know we'll take a, a, a probably one week off next week but we're going to continue to interview guys year-round there's recruiting there's all kinds of things like that we're going to bring some special uh sort of outside the box guest in April and May. Uh, But I want to thank all those guys that were kind enough to take the time and and help help make MatchAd at least somewhat successful. Also want to mention that the Missouri Border Brawl is going to be on Tuesday, March 14th in St. Louis, Missouri. You can get tickets at CageTick C I G E P I X dot com slash M B B two zero one seven. We've got uh Joey Laser Wrestling Josh Kindig we have got Hazelyn Garcia, the Cuban Olympian wrestling Tommy Gantt. And we've also got 11 superstar high school matches featuring guys like Dayton Fix and Austin O'Connor and just a bunch of other studs. There's probably about 50 state titles between all those guys. All the money goes to benefit the Extreme Couture GI Foundation. If you can't be there on Tuesday, Track Wrestling is going to have it as a one-time $10 pay-per-view. So you can go to trackwrestling.com and buy that. And I also want to thank our sponsor, Matt Chat. Uh, Is brought to you by FantasyGreat.com and the Ultimate Fantasy Wrestling Challenge. You know more about wrestling than your friends and people from around the country. Well, go prove it. Go to FantasyGreat.com, enter the live event, online event, or both. Become America's first Fantasy Wrestling National Champion and support USA Wrestling. Andy and I will be live with you guys next week from St. Louis. Thank you so much for your time.